definitely human. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 63. It's summer. And this week I spoke with Adrian Bryant, local parish councillor and wildlife and conservation enthusiast. Adrian actually put us on the path to hopefully maybe getting beavers one day um, a few years ago. And so, yeah, I was really excited to sit down and talk with him. And here's that conversation now. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Hello. Hi, are you doing? Are you right? Yeah, I'm right. Um, first thing is, I got a punch on the way here. Oh no! So you haven't got a foot pump, have you? Like, um, at some maybe. I'll have to ask Mum. Oh no! I timed it terribly because yeah, we're just in the middle of mopping the floors and everything. So, and also, it's been um, there's been no wind for the last few days, and now all of a sudden we want to do an interview. It's, it's so windy, and I couldn't right. find a spot. But it should be all right. That's all right. I'll just have to thrust the microphone right in your face. How have you been? You well? Yes, I saw a really brilliant film called Riverwoods, which is about salmon decline in Scotland. Oh yeah, it's such a great film. I thought, well, it'd be really rather nice to show it in the River Tor catchment because we have the same issues here. I I met someone who lives on the River Cane in Braunton and they've lived here for for many years and they suggested to me that salmon used to run up the River Cane and no water and that's where I'm hoping to reintroduce beavers and beavers can address that that issue by creating the habitat so salmon can thrive and I thought well that's that's really interesting I've I've never ever heard of anyone catching a salmon in Braunton but apparently according to this person the farming community especially used to fish quite a lot for salmon I've seen sea trout on the odd occasion in the river cane and someone as a young lad I know goes fishing regularly for brown trout in the central Braunton and he tells me that he's seen sea trout migrating from the weir. So sea trout follow a similar thing to salmon? Well, basically, sea trout are migratory, like not in this, to the same extent as salmon because they, they're trout that travel down to the Torrentorridge estuary in this case because that's the estuary locally. They'll spend time there eating food there before coming back as a rather larger fish to spawn just in the same way as salmon do in, in the gravels. But it's encouraging that they're there because that is a migratory fish. So, I mean, and if you think back over 
millennia, the salmon must have gone into the River Cane and no water because the spawning gravels are right there. You can see them. It's just, it seems a real shame that within living memory, we're talking 50, 60 years, we've gone from a situation of salmon being in the cane to none at all. And that, that's hence why the film company made Riverwoods in Scotland, because they have exactly the same problem in Scotland. A bit of advertising here. If you're listening to this before the 26th of June 2023, it's on at Braunton Countryside Centre at 7 o'clock in the evening. It's a free viewing. We're only asking debt for donations to cover costs. So if you'd like to see that at Braunton Countryside Centre, please come along. What's the reason for salmon decline um, in places all over the UK, not just the River Cane? Is it our problem building along the river and sort of building dams and things like that? I mean, the River Cane to me isn't um, a super, you know, deep, fast flowing river. So it's a variety of problems. Some of it's to do with uh, temperature rise via, via climate change. The water temperature is becoming too warm and that's disrupting the life cycle of the fry. I mean, that was interesting from the film was that 90% of the population of the salmon is actually in that first initial stage of the egg and the fry because of course tons of them get eaten and die along the way before they become a large salmon so the the main issue is creating those areas for the the fry and the par and the smolts you know they're, they're the different life stages of the salmon to thrive but yeah from going back to the film part of it yes was pollution Part of it was deforestation, part of it was climate change, water rise, where you have these dramatic rain events where there's lots of water falls in a very short period. That creates rivers to rise to unsustainable levels. That water rushes down the catchment because of all the changes we've made to rivers. We've tended to straighten them and not allow the water to run naturally in ribbons and wind naturally down floodplains. We've tended to want to straighten them and keep one main channel rather than multiple channels. That means, basically, the young fish are just washed out to sea, and also the eggs as well. Mm. So there we go. There's, there's something that can be addressed straight away by slowing the flow. And that, that's what beavers are all about. Yeah, I think it was thanks to you that I sort of did such a deep dive on beavers and what they do for the ecosystem. So what got you into, like, I don't know, beaver fever? Strangely enough, it was being elected to the parish council in Braunton, and that, that seems a peculiar avenue into all of this. But um, as part of that, I'm invited to various events, and one of those was a film at Braunton Countryside Centre, The Beaver Believers, which is the story of beavers in North America. At that screening, there was also someone locally that works for the National Trust called Ben Erdley, who gave a talk about they they wanted to reintroduce beavers to Holnico Estate near Porlock, Somerset. I cycled along the Cane, the River Cane, and, and it winds across a beautiful floodplain with cows in the field and trees. The river winds naturally, as it should do across a floodplain. And I looked at that landscape and I thought, well, that, that, you know, I wonder if, wonder if beavers were, ever were in that landscape, not knowing at that point that they ever were. After watching several other beaver programmes, I thought, well, I might uh, contact someone. And just purely by chance, I contacted Beaver Trust, uh, thinking nothing of it. And they got back to me. And within a few days, I was having a conversation and it, and it turned out, the idea of using beavers for flood... I must say that Braunton has historic flood problems and in 2012, 
when I wasn't a parish councillor, I visited Braunton and it just the that really impacted on me seeing a flooding event, seeing the devastation that flooding can have on people and businesses. And it was something that I, di- I didn't believe that could happen in Braunton. Up until that point, I'd seen sepia-tinted photographs of people standing around in the centre of Braunton 100 years ago in flood water up to their ankles. And I thought, ah, that's something in the past, that doesn't happen here. But then in 2012, it did. And then in 2016, it happened again. And that got me thinking. And then I joined the parish council. I thought, well, I'm in a position I might be able to do something. And it, it just a wonderful set of coincidences have happened to get to the point where we are now thinking about having a natural flood management system for Braunton using beavers. And it's just how to make that happen. And that is proving really rather difficult because of the, well, governments at all levels in this country, they... they um, can't decide whether this is a good thing or not. So my, my thoughts on that is that I think local people can really change the opinion on that and the, the politicians' opinion, because I, I think if, if local people lead on all these things, it's not, not just about beaver flood management, flood addressing flooding. I think it's the whole range of issues that we currently face with climate change. I, I've strongly come to believe that local people are the answer they have to change the minds of politicians because I don't feel there is the leadership within this country at the moment. The leadership is not brave enough to make these decisions, whereas I believe local people, they actually care about their area and know about it, and they're the ones that are going to have to make this change. And I'm addressing, trying that after a really incredibly frustrating year of approaching all those at the top asking for them to allow Braunton to become a beaver flood management area and getting absolutely nowhere. You know, I've approached the Prime Minister, the Environment Minister, the Head of DEFRA, Environment Agency, Natural England. I have to say, Natural England, out of all of those, they are incredibly supportive and they really do understand beaver flood management so i have no issue with them however it's how to make that change and i think local people so that that's what i'm trying at the moment and i i I have other projects on the go for instance i'm working with someone called john grimshaw who is the founder of sustrans the government actually asked him to build the cycle network of this country the reason i've contacted him is because we have a missing bit of cycle path between knoll and willingcott which would connect ilfacombe into the national cycle network to braunton and there, there's a, the Tarka trail runs from ilfacombe on the north coast of devon to plymouth on the south coast of devon it, it's within the top 10 of cycle paths in this country and it, ha- it has two missing links so I've asked John Grimshaw to come in and help me because he, he runs a charity called Greenways and Cycle Routes that helps local communities to build cycle paths that have been, for whatever reason, haven't been built. Mm. Remarkably, so there are councils all over this country that invite him to come along and he, he does really exciting work camps where 70 volunteers turn up for two weeks and build cycle paths. Mm. And it's making cycling and walking active travel happen for those communities. And, and so I'd, I'd like that to happen here these attempts are being resisted by Devon County Council at the moment, which, which is... Why? How come? Uh, <laughs> the political landscape in this country, it, it's a barrier. It's how to negotiate that and make all of these projects... I mean, we, we, we are at the start 
of a green revolution here. And for places like North Devon, that is so important. Not only is it going to address things like climate change and nature loss, it's going to create jobs for people. And fundamentally, that is where I'm coming from as well. I want to see this green economy happen. You can see that already taking off in things like renewable energy. We have wind turbines near here. We have a wind array being talked about for the offshore in Biddeford Bay. We have electric car points going in and and various other projects. Uh, but it's, it's all too slow for me. I've uh, said before, I think you have the patience of a saint because even us talking two, three years ago now about doing beavers and we were like, yes, let's go for it. And then just seeing how slow that's been and how there's been no forward movement i just think you know you're in this every day it frustrates me and i'm only just like sort of scratch the surface of how slow it can be i i I think you you know longevity is the key to all of these things it is can be frustrating but then it can be the flip side of that is it can be really remarkably rewarding and it is the remarkable things that happen on the way that keep me going and projects that are successful You know, I've just talked about the cycle trail. The fact is, Devon County Council are building a section. And that is remarkable progress after many, many years of no progress. And that is fantastic. And all the other, you know, I I was in London. My my daughters live in London and I helped them move from Pimlico to Fulham. And the green revolution going on there is just exciting. There there are electric car um, charge points going in lampposts in streets. There are electric scooters. There are electric bike companies. I mean, I I went to the AGM of Triodos Bank that are based in Bristol and listening to what's going on there, what they're funding, rewilding projects in Somerset, natural flood management up north, you know, if you scratch and you know, look under the surface uh, and look for these things, it's all happening. And that is completely wonderful and exciting. And it's going to change this country and, it, for my mind, to the better. And despite the frustrations, it, it's trying to find a way. You know, with the beaver flood management, the government allows enclosures. It's not my idea of a flood management scheme across a catchment-wide uh, area. But it's a start. It's a it's a way to start a conversation, and so that's that's what I'm thinking all, all the time. Is um, you know what is what is allowed? What will politicians allow? What what is acceptable to local people? And that's a starting point. But it's only a starting point. Uh, and over time, things will happen. You, you know, when when the wind turbine generation started. I remember years, at least 20 years ago, attending a meeting locally because people were outraged about the wind turbines going up at Fullerbrook. But they're there. You've got to hang in there. You know, it's, it's no point in being put off because you will be put off. I mean, there have been times with the Beaver Project, I've had people shouting at me down the phone, getting really, really angry. You know, I'm getting emotional thinking about that because it is upsetting. But then I remember the 80% odd landowners that I had approached um, that were positive. I mean, I've had the opposite. People saying, wow, let's get beavers. You know, can they come turn up next week? 
and being really, really enthusiastic. And not only that, they, they over time, every so often I'll get an email or a phone call and someone will say, you know, what's happening with the Beaver Project? I really love that idea. I'm excited by that. I, I would love that to happen, what's happening. And that will give me the energy to continue on. And another stuff that I, I went to Exeter University a few weeks back because Beaver Trust, in collaboration with Exeter University and Devon Wildlife Trust, put on their, their very first beaver conference. And it was a three-day event. It was really remarkable because people from all over this country who are involved in beaver reintroduction from Scotland, from Wales. We even had people from Europe. There were some people that even came over that gave talks from America, North America. And that was such a vibrant, exciting, positive atmosphere to be in. That it just gives you the enthusiasm and you realise that things are changing, even though most of the time I, I'm on my own on this. You, you realise that you are not alone. And it's that positivity. If you can be around that kind of atmosphere that makes change if you get a series of those events and people connect within that could be in a local area it could be nationally i i mean i'm hoping nationally i mean regarding climate change that has to be internationally of course and that is happening there, no question with all the events that that i mean i listen out for them because I, i'm interested in environmental events that's a thread running through my life i i just am interested in those kind of things so when you are looking for that kind of thing you realize that there, there is a network right across the world that is working on this and uh their time will come i'm sure of it and it's gaining serious momentum isn't it Every, it's on everybody's minds it is and it has to be because you cannot but help notice the weather that we're having you know, if you've lived long enough, you will realise that stuff is, you know, summers are changing. We had a hot, dry one last year. There was drought, despite lots of rain this winter in Devon. The major reservoirs, the water companies are saying they're not quite full yet, which I find extraordinary, considering the amount of rain we've had in North Devon. There's a, there's a poster up on, on the bus stop in Knoll, where I live, with uh, Save Every Drop yeah. from Southwest Water. So... Uh, when that kind of issue is occurring uh, uh, and the prediction is for more and we've, we haven't even reached 1.5 degrees warming and, and uh, governments around the world are saying we, we need to uh, limit warming to 1.5 and, and then you see graphs that uh, we're, we're nowhere near that at the moment. But that, that's at the moment. You know, things can change. Momentum is happening. I'm always looking for the positive. It's a big problem, but we can address big problems if we all work together. I mean, the the pandemic we just had is a good example of that, where people got together, even at a local level, to work in teams. So I, I think when you when the scale of the problem is realised and that is communicated to people, they will act. And, uh, yeah, I'm... Looking forward to being part of that. Science says optimism is good for your health. Maybe if we all work together with a positive mindset, we can be good for the planet's health too. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at Back to Earth Podcast, on Twitter at Back to Earth Pod, and on TikTok at Back to Earth Charlie. 
Music is by John Day. Artwork is by Eric Chow. And this episode was edited by David Knight. Beep boop. Thank you guys for making this show so awesome. And thank you listeners for listening. Beep boop. If you want to support Back to Earth, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash definitely human. Back to Earth is a definitely human production. Okay, bye. Beep boop. David is losing the will to live. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.